Welcome to Cross Culture-ish. The podcast where nerdy traveler friends talk about everyday cultural experiences. We're learning a lot and want to learn with you. This process is fun and sometimes it's funny. So why not record it? We are back with another episode of Cross Culture-ish. To our new listeners, welcome. And to those of us who are returning listeners, welcome back. This is a podcast where we talk about culture, both in general and how we interact with it in our daily lives. My name is Aaliyah, and I will be hosting today. My first time. Yay! Yay. Hi, Aaliyah. (laughs) Hi. I am here with my friends, Sarah. Hello. Lauren. Hi. David. Bonjour. Oh, okay. And Marcos. Hola, hola. I was doing Duolingo Learn French this afternoon. Oh, oh, dude, I started too. French as well, Marcos? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's coming back to me. Un chat et un garçon. Ça va? Oui, ça va? <laughs> okay, cool. Anybody else know any French phrases to kick us <laughs> off here? I just wanted, to say, I just wanted to say hello by saying bonjour, so... Great. Sometimes people say hola. I just wanted to try. Yeah. No, I remember the Muffy nice. commercial. Do you remember the Muffy commercials? Do you ever learn yes, that? Yes, I like, do. Je suis là d'une vie. Yes, that's so good. That's and, oh, we will link that, that in our show notes. The mainland don't know what you're talking are you about. Saying, <laughs> are you saying Muffy or Muzzy? Muffy because is I think Muzzy. his name's Muzzy. <laughs> All right, whatever Lauren, the 90s. I, have never I heard totally of this. know exactly what you are talking about. I will find it on Dare. YouTube and link it because it's a gem, Chris let me tell you. <laughs> no, those kids aren't. No, how does it go? It goes, yeah. yes, that's French they're talking. But no, those kids aren't French. They're, they're American. American. That's yep. right. See? All right. So for our listeners, this is a great way to um, christen our comments section. If you know what muzzy 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 (laughs) muzzy is please let us know because i have no idea what these people are talking about it was in the 90s yeah yeah that's nickelodeon commercials yep totally lauren that's such a great throwback thank you for that that really just gave joy to my heart (laughs) and he was like a he was like an animal he was like a furry he's like a purple monster thing yeah Hmm. guys Barney, but kind of. I'm here on the iPad. Muzzy has a YouTube channel. Muzzy's no still around. Muzzy's still around. Yeah, I, I think I did actually know that. And you might want to check. That might be BBC? something inappropriate. I'm not sure. No, Muzzy. M U Z Z Y. Teaching <laughs> Spanish. Muzzy language learning. View at your own risk. <laughs> BBC, the world's number one language course for children. Muzzy, this is the guy. Now okay. it's a little digital. It's not the old cartoon that I loved. How Muzzy See? has stuck around for the last three decades. And you guys were mad at me for trying to say bonjour. No, this is this has been be such a blessing. Hello. This has been rich already. <laughs> well, some of our listeners might remember that in our Hamill film episode, I shared that my obsession was the Netflix original film Eurovision Song Contest, The Story of Fire Saga. And as I suggested in that episode, we have created a full podcast worth of content from the most wonderful film that I have seen since being in quarantine. So there will be spoilers. It's a bold statement. Well, 
I mean, I've watched a lot of. St- I mean, I've combed through Netflix pretty hard. So <laughs> people have heard our obsessions if they've followed. Yeah, all. it's true. Yeah, it's yep. mostly it's Netflix content. Streaming very true. English and it's Spanish. Just, just be called. What are you watching on Netflix this week? <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm telling you guys, we get that Netflix sponsorship, and we just become a Netflix well, podcast. I was just going like, to say, as programs. always, we're not sponsored by Netflix, but you will need a Netflix account to enjoy this wonderful film. There are some big stars in it, such as Will Ferrell, who is, I mean, one of my top five most favorite people ever. But Rachel McAdams is also in it. Dan Stevens, for those Downton Abbey fans. Lots of big names. Matthew Crawley. Pierce Brosnan is in it. Oh, yeah. Oh, right. (laughs) Yes. So if you have yet to view this critically acclaimed movie, I would recommend that you watch it. Pause our episode, watch it, and then come back because we're going to jump into all things Eurovision and how awesome it is. But before that, tell me, amiguitos, what <laughs> your obsessions are this week. The weekly obsession. Oh, yes. I forgot. <laughs> I, wait. Oh, no. I forgot to cue the jingle. <laughs> Sorry, cue I got cue jingle. <laughs> uh, copyright. Okay. Copyright. Mm-hmm. David, what's been your obsession this week? Ooh, this is a very recent obsession. I just spent last night watching three hours of David Blaine's Ascension. Do you guys know David Blaine? <laughs> we do. Yes. You I guys think like most David Blaine? Do. He kind of yeah. creeps me out. He skeeps he, me out. Kind of. He really ske- I love magic. I really do. Like, guys, you know I really love magic. But David <laughs> Blaine. Guys. Guys. <laughs> guys. David oh Blaine God. just doesn't do it for you. Well, no. okay, so that's perfect. Here's a perfect transition because he himself said that a lot of his illusions, but some, you know, some of the stuff he does is more endurance. It's not an illusion, holding his breath, living in ice, not eating for 14 days and only drinking water underground. He had said that he realized his last big endurance thing was kind of scary. And he had a young daughter at the time. And so he had said to himself, the next thing that I want to do, I want it to be beautiful. I want it to be inspiring. So did you guys see like the ad for Ascension? Mm-hmm. Do you guys know what Ascension is? He, yeah, he was he floating had, like the up house. Like house. He said he had seen a movie when he was a kid and he'd always had in his mind this idea to grab balloons and float off into the sky. And hmm. that's basically and what he did. That's yeah, it's pretty awesome. He made it. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. I mean, I, I too love a good illusion or uh, magic, if you want to call it that. But it was really cool. I liked it. I really did think it was beautiful. You all know, maybe our listeners have picked up on the trend. I can get a little weepy, teary in the <laughs> eye from time to time when I'm inspired by a film or TV show or even a timely song. Seeing him go up into the air on those balloons, it was pretty cool. It looked like house. There was a little moisture in the right eye sitting on the couch. Wait, house? You mean up? Or, sorry, up. Like the house <laughs> thing up. Like, sorry. Because house is, a, house is like uh, Hugh Laurie yeah. uh, right. as, a, as a doctor. Forget that. Take that, image, take that image out of your mind. Take Maybe pretty, that gets you weepy too. I don't know. Pretty, yeah. pretty Pixar, it's David. Pixar up balloons and a house. And it was pretty cool. So hmm. it's still available. It was a YouTube uh, live stream. He partnered with YouTube. So if you want to check it out, check it out. YouTube, David Blaine. Did you watch Friends, it more than this, once? This can now be your obsession. No, it was three hours. I didn't watch it more oh. than once. It took him three hours? 
Well, he went yeah, like five he, miles in the air. Yeah, he went 25,000 feet in the air. You don't and just... the first two hours is all about the prep and the backstory. I'd and say the, the first like hour and a half. It shows like him building the rig and everything that he had to do oh, to sheesh. be prepared. He had to do 500 skydives so that he could be a master skydiver license certification. He did balloon training with hot air balloonists and with like gas balloonists, helium and hy- not hydrogen. Hydrogen? No, we don't do hydrogen anymore because of right, uh, which what's the accident? Lind- yeah, Lindenberg. Uh, Hindenburg. 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 Yeah. I couldn't think of that. Last Hindenburg. Yeah. I did a report on this in seventh grade. Hindenburg. And in the YouTube three-hour stream, he showed the difference between helium and hydrogen. hydrogen. Yep. So he put put the balloons by fire, and you can mm-hmm. see that hydrogen ignites. It was pretty cool. Check it out, hmm. David Blaine. So it's not magic as much as it was a feat. This was endurance feat. Yeah, there was no magic involved. Mm -hmm. Honestly, that was one of the inspiring things, I thought. It was someone dedicated to a task that required a high level of skill, and he did it, and it was cool to watch. There Mm -hmm. you go. Check the show notes. We'll link link to David Blaine up. YouTube.com. Oh, my gosh, David Blaine. (laughs) Lauren, I really hope that you're prepared to share your slash our... Obsession this week. Tell I us know. what you have been up to. <laughs> well, this past Saturday was my birthday, and for my birthday, I got the most magical crafting gadget ever the Cricut Air Express. The Cricut Air 2. <laughs> Explore Air 2, yes. Oh, yeah. Um, because I do nothing with fabrics, so I am not, I'm not a quilter, so th- this one was perfect. And I can slice and cut and write and score and do all sorts of fantastic things on cardstock and vinyl and make stickers and pretty much bedazzle every surface in my house, which we're working on. So that has been my recent weekly obsession. I will say that for those of you who don't know, Cricut is spelled C-R-I-C-U-T. I did not know that's how you spelled it. So when oh, Lauren okay. first said that she wanted a Cricut, uh. I was like, like the phone? Like Cricut <laughs> Wireless? Oh. Or- Cricut Wireless. <laughs> you were also at pet stores buying yeah. food for your lizard? Yeah. <laughs> Actual crickets, but it's, it's Cricut. Yes. Cry-cut. That's yes, right. Basically. That's right. Cry-cut. Mm-hmm. So yes. David, Lauren, Marcos, and myself, we were together this last week, and so I got to partake of Lauren's birthday present, and we geeked out for, I mean, what that first night, it was, it was at like, least six hours. Yeah. Yeah, you mm-hmm. guys nerded out for a we good hit it oh, so so you guys. hard. Yeah, you guys were playing video games. So Lauren and I were basically finding or searching the house to find every flat surface that we could in order to create a vinyl sticker to then place on said flat surface. It was so fun. <laughs> uh, we'll also post some pictures of our of our finished products for anyone who wants to uh, check them out, maybe get inspired. Uh, not sponsored by Cricket, but if you want to, we're hey. so down. <laughs> Yeah. I, I will say they looked very profesh. I was impressed at the level of professionness. Yeah. Professionish, yes. Professionalism. I don't mess I was, around. As I'm telling you, someday we'll have a crosscultureish.com slash store that we yes. can sell stickers handmade uh, by Lauren. Aspirations. Yes. Aspirations. One day. And I mean, not to brag about, not to put my wife on the spot, but she's also a very good hand letterer. Oh, yeah. Lauren artist. does her own so hand like, lettering. Right. Yeah. So. She's not using those uh, templates. True. She's drawing all this stuff by hand. 
So, I mean, that adds a layer of yeah. Profession. That's a good plug. No, yeah. that's a that's a very good plug. We'll uh, we'll link her Instagram account as well because oh you're gonna want to check that out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Can we on our website do one of those pages with little working stick figures, like work in progress for the store page oh. for the crossculturish.com I'm slash sure store. we could figure that out. You know, like the this project or this page coming soon. <laughs> this page is under process. Yeah. Let <laughs> me connect you with the web designer and we'll get that work done. People are gonna want the stickers. I think we're inspiring a lot of memorabilia purchases here in the future. <laughs> coming holiday season twenty twenty. Oh yes. Mm. Perfect timing. Buy your favorite cross culturish fan a cross culturish sticker. Or mm-hmm. luggage tag. <laughs> they make great stuff <laughs> stuffers. Why can no one I just didn't think of luggage tag. It's a funny idea. Oh, it's a great Lauren idea. And I came up with a whole list of things. Oh, that's true. When we were talking about travel ideas, I oh, don't yeah. remember luggage. A leather tag. luggage I, tag. I thought passport book, like a little passport mm-hmm. book that you could keep. Mm-hmm. Well, guys, okay, we, we need to stop there because because we don't want to spoil. We want to keep some reveals here in the future. Yeah, and I don't so. want to overpromise either. <laughs> Come well, on. If they go to the <laughs> store page, they'll see the little stick figure with a hard hat on. They'll know okay, what's in great. process. Look, please check out our website, crossculturish.com. And especially for David's sake, please click on the <laughs> store tab. Hopefully that has no, a no, no, stick not a figure. Tab, not a tab, oh. just a backslash. Okay. You have slash to be store. You have to <laughs> slash backslash store. So you, you have, have to be, listen oh to this episode to know that that page exists. <laughs> exactly. So you can then uh-huh. type like in crossculturish.com exactly. slash store. The secret store. And then okay. see yeah, yeah. the. It's like an Easter egg. The, it's like the an stick egg. figure with a pickaxe. Okay. Exactly. It's an Easter egg. Moving on. On, on <laughs> that <laughs> note, let that's, us that's, transition. That's my most recent obsession is the store. <laughs> Let us transition to our next segment that we call Culture Clash. Culture Clash. (laughs) (laughs) Um. Oftentimes, the five of us like to take note of different cultural experiences or clashes, so to speak, of things that we notice either in the news or in our personal lives, in movies, whatever it may be. So does anyone have a culture clash that they feel comfortable sharing with us? I can share one. Uh, this was a class. It was really interesting. We are at part of my work. We do diversity, equity, and inclusion training. And we've been having some really good conversations about like race and equity and all these things. And this culture class was really interesting as like, I've been to other places and being from Puerto Rico, a lot of people, a lot of my friends have used this term too. And there is such thing as like IPT, what we call island people time. Some people have referred to it in different ways. It can be a bit of a of slur, I guess, in a way. Like I remember when, uh, I don't even remember Barack Obama actually, he made a joke about it. Um, I forget what he called it. He didn't call it island people time, but but what he, the same concept, but then he goes... I can say it, you can't to like <laughs> someone who was not black. And so we were talking about, is it fair to to have a label for a people group, right? That That is considered like, quote unquote, late or it's uh, for those of you who don't know, Island People Time is Island People Time is what people have used both degradingly and also as a level of pride to indicate that different cultures have different definitions to what it means to be on time. So what it means to be and and while there's certain cultures that on time means on the dot. So if you say you're going to show up at eight o'clock, if you're 801, 
you're late. And if you're 7.59, you're early. And so the, it was really interesting because my friend who is, has different background, different cultural background than I do um, and coworker, he was more focused on, hey, this is not fair because not every person from Puerto Rico or not every person would be considered late. You know what I mean? Would be considered or would be someone that there's there's people in Puerto Rico that like to arrive. Pu- yeah, punctual. it's a generalization. Yeah, it is a, a general, yeah. and we, which he's right. He's absolutely right. I have friends that. But it also, like, from my perspective, it was more of a pride thing about saying, no, like, it's not an excuse to being late. It's the reality that time in different cultures is defined differently. I remember I did a when I was studying this, we did a project and we actually did it in the context of church as under like when does church start and we noticed that like a lot of white churches start right on the dot whereas a lot of other churches from different groups would start either when like a person that was of significant prominence would arrive or when there was like critical mass and that's when they start and so there was different ways of defining time and it was kind of a culture clash because it was just a wait. No, you totally consider time differently than me, and and I think we could do a whole episode about it. But I, I thought agree. that that was, was really interesting. <laughs> yeah. Well, we will take a note of that, and uh, maybe one of our next episodes will be on really the the culture clash that is time and mm-hmm. cultures that prioritize relationships over a start time or whatever that is. Like what you're describing, Marcos. That's a very easy way for two different or opposing cultures to clash. And what happens mm-hmm. when you are in a relationship with someone who has a different understanding? Cultural value of time. Cultural value of time and how you That's compromise. That's what we call a household culture clash. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, right? Like family right. cultures that mm-hmm. totally, we we experience that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. Classic makings of a culture clash. So anyways, <laughs> that was that was my, it happened today. And, and I haven't quite formulated all my thoughts, but I was just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We're clearly viewing this issue like in two different ways here. So mm-hmm. yeah. And there's not a right or wrong. It's mm-hmm. it's just a different way to look at it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thanks for sharing that. And that is a good idea. I, I do hope that here in the near future, I know Sarah even has some of her cultural intelligence training speaks to this, like how cultures perceive time or yeah, I, I won't even try. Time, I won't yeah. even try to pitch it because Sarah can do such a great job. But um, yeah, hmm. thanks for if sharing. You want to learn this. more? Call Sarah up and have her do a training <laughs> on uh, cultural intelligence. That's right. See, such time. a good plug. Yes, <laughs> Sarah, give us the fifteen-second elevator TED talk on time. Oh, give you're us the technical her on the spot. 20, Twenty seconds. No, I can't do that. Okay. Ooh, do you not have the time? I love it. It's, do you not that, have the time that's why for we were, it? That, okay. I mean, <laughs> no, David was imposing time. his value of time. That's true. On yes. how you should respond to that. So another culture clash, ladies and gentlemen. Yep. <laughs> Live. That there is such thing as like a 15 second elevator thing that people can function stress free in. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. Roasted. <laughs> <laughs> on that note we'll give you guys uh, a whole episode later it'll be fine <laughs> there yeah. you go there you go um i hope that we have piqued your curiosity for our our up and coming episode on time but without further ado guys i really can't wait any longer i have watched eurovision twice in the last 48 hours on top of the already numerous times that i have seen the film in preparation so how many times let, have you watched it i don't know a and lot. that's a very personal question that i don't have to answer <laughs> can you check that on your netflix account like views mm. oh is that a feature good question 
If not Netflix. I know. Yeah, it should we have be. ideas for you. <laughs> it would money. pretty much be number one, The Office. Number two, Eurovision. That would be my mm. uh, <laughs> most most views. So let's talk about Eurovision Song Contest, the story of Fire Saga, which from here on out, for the sake of that mouthful, I will just refer to as Eurovision. The movie. The movie. Thank you. That's right. <laughs> it is a singing competition. There is an importance to differentiate. Spoiler alert. The- Okay. Well, I mean, it's been around for like six decades, so I don't know if that's really a spoiler alert. It was to me this summer. Spoiler alert. There is a singing competition that goes by the name Eurovision. For those of you who have not heard, let me read to you the IMDb synopsis for the film. Are we ready? Read Mm -hmm. it in a trailer movie voice. Oh, blast. I can't do that. I should have had one of you do that. Okay. I like that you just said blast. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, David, there you go. Why don't you do it? Yeah, that was awesome. (laughs) Okay, well, you guys are going to have to do a chat because I don't have it right in front of me. I have to find it. Well, blast reminded me of Scooby-Doo for, I don't know, for what reason. So, do they say that on Scooby Doo? I don't it's know, but I feel like... like all those Hanna Barbera or Hanna oh, Barbera yeah. or whatever cartoons—that's what they would say. So you drat, saying Hanna Barbera just spiked a different, a totally different thought that the Hanna Barbera, like the person or one of those two people, people they're two men, two I think. Yeah. Yeah. So one of them has a house in Northern California that my grandpa's plumbing company did the plumbing on their giant mansion house and so when it opened we got to go they like hosted this big lunch for everyone who worked on the house and walking around their house there was cartoons everywhere from like all of their cartoons and the best part this is so off topic in one of their downstairs <laughs> bathrooms, there was a robotic monkey that was peeing. Ew. Th- swear th- that was like peeing into the toilet. And I mean, <laughs> it was like the most awesome thing as a kid to go to this because I was like, we're already did getting drunk an, to this. Did you super have to lame... sign an NDA to visit that? Are you are you allowed to I talk don't about know. I mean, that? What's that sounds the, like a weird thing. No, what's the time limit? What the you, statute what's of the, limitation? Yeah, what's it's usually the statute like 30, of limitation? 30 yeah, it was years, a think, long usually. time ago. <laughs> Maybe. I don't but know. you say wow. Hanna Barbera. Yes, I went to one of their Northern California house. I just want to add another culture clash. For the longest time, I thought that <laughs> Hanna Barbera were two women because for me, from Puerto Rico, Hanna and Barbara were two oh, women okay. names. And then I ended up learning <laughs> that it was Joseph yes. Barbera, and I forget the na- the first name of yeah, yeah, Mr. Well, Hannah, David, did but... did we wide you enough time? Do you are you ready? <laughs> yes, I would like to say before I start reading because the thought has now crossed my mind. You had mentioned that we would do a callback episode or or that you know we will do a an episode on time yeah this is the first time we've actually made true our promise to do a full episode on something so mm-hmm. if oh. you're so a fan can happen. if you're if you're a fan of cross-culture-ish and you've heard us say oh we're gonna we're gonna do an episode on that later guys this is later come we're back doing for it. more we're doing it you want me to read the win aspiring musicians bit is that what whoa, it is whoa, whoa. in the right voice please <laughs> <clears throat> When aspiring musicians, Lars and Sigrid, are given the opportunity to represent their country at the world's biggest song competition, they finally have a chance to prove <coughs> that, that any dream worth having is a dream worth fighting for. <laughs> 
I so yes. wish that we were filming our Zoom because oh as gosh. soon as you started, the other four of us just drop out of the screen because we're laughing so hard. Yeah. Well, if this podcast doesn't take off, I think you all know what my backup plan is. <laughs> exactly. so, yeah. Well, thank thank you, David, for that. I was not prepared for that. That was that was great. You're welcome. So. All of us have watched Eurovision. I would love to hear some first thoughts because I've already said that my this movie is my favorite and there's a few reasons why. Will Ferrell, number one. There's also super fun music, which I think we're all a fan of. Yes. There's mm-hmm. different cultures and languages and countries represented, which I think is also a fun dynamic. But lastly and not leastly, there is a thread Oh, pun intended, of knitting in Scandinavian knitwear in the film, which I, like, I loved that. So anyways, I could go on and on, but friends, what were some of your standout moments or favorite things about the film? For me, first of all, the big surprise for me was Rachel McAdams' role. I thought she was amazing. So just from a cinematic perspective, she killed it. She was funny. She was sweet. She was great character. Second, Will Ferrell, hats off, man. Like the fact that I don't know if it was his thought originally, but I have a feeling it was to create a movie a la Blades of Glory in a way and a la, uh, you know, he wasn't in Mm -hmm. Dodgeball, but it's a la Dodgeball Mm -hmm. about Eurovision. But also at the same time, like celebrating it was, I think... I mean, mm-hmm. as an American, right, like, that's how I took it. I didn't take yeah. it. It was making fun of Eurovision, but actually it was, like, using a mm-hmm. comedy, but then still, like, like celebrating what yep. that was. I thought it was awesome. I thought it was super good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To that point, I actually watched several late night interviews with Will Ferrell and Rachel McAdams as well. And it was Will Ferrell's inspiration like because of his experiences of spending i believe summers in sweden with his wife's family he said that he was exposed to eurovision for the first time like 20 years ago Mm. and it was that experience that really kind of piqued his curiosity of why have i never seen this before and he described it as being cirque du soleil with american idol with like a vegas show (laughs) Plus 42 different countries represented. Plus like, the World it, Cup. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's just like total mayhem. So, yeah. No, no, no. Did you good. say his wife's Swedish? Is that what you yeah, said? she is. I think yeah. She, yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure. So other thoughts, friends? I had never heard of Eurovision before as an actual contest. So it was a really interesting Same. movie just because I feel like I learned a lot and feel very bereft if you will, that I didn't know that this contest exists. It's like a crossword vocabulary word. I know. I I would have been watching it every year. So Sarah, I'm glad that you brought that up because that was one of the questions that I had was as American culture, maybe this is the world, but I can only speak to American culture. We love singing competition shows. You have American Idol, Mm. The Masked Singer, The Voice, is America's X Got Factor. Talent? X, X Factor. Factor. Well, like, and dancing competitions got too. Talent. Yes, nice. like we are. We are. But just, those are just the new ones too. I mean, like talent shows. Yeah. Forty years ago, Star Search. There's yeah. like. Oh yeah. There's what was the lyric, show that the Beatles were like discovered on? Like, right? Yes. Oh, Ed Sullivan Music. show. So as a culture, Name we that are. Tune. No, that's right. I mean, the list goes on and on. We're captivated by singing competitions. So why is it that? 
we maybe I mean, Lauren, I think I know that you maybe knew of Eurovision before, but like why why did we not why do we not watch it? Why do we not know about it? It's not American people, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Yeah, um, America doesn't take place in it. So there alone is like, why would we watch something where we're not gonna be able to root on our country? Or or attempt to win. Yeah. Yeah. I do think it's a different type of contest though. Like, and I don't, I kind of remember it being brought up in the movie, but maybe like Aaliyah, you would know, but <laughs> like, well, cause I only watched it once and it was just recently, but there was something that was said about like how different it was to American Idol. Whereas like American Idol's like judges are like horrible and like, I don't, not hor- hmm, What am I trying to say? Like they're really uh, critiqueful to it. Whereas the contest like Eurovision is just like, they get up, they sing their song, and people vote. Like, it's a very yep. different type and of contest. And the country votes, right? Like, that's yeah. different. Like, each country casts their votes, and you can't vote for your own country. Like, and there's yeah, there's a, ju- there's there's a different not, like, dynamic. a panel of judges that are yeah. now right. going to say something, which I feel like Americans really love. Yeah. Oh, they it's love watching judgy. people be torn it's apart. It's more goodwill, right? Like, mm. that's goodwill's at yeah. the center of it. It's kind yeah. of like the, the, the great sense. British baking show. The great yes. British baking show. No. There is judges, but it is kind of like all the contestants are like rooting for each other in a way. Hmm. And they all want them to like, everyone like helps the person like finish hmm. their bake. Or if you need help slotting your piece over onto your tray, like everyone <laughs> will kind of help you. Like even like the hosts will like lend a hand here and there, like not like a huge hand, but they'll like, you know, hold a piping hmm. bag or like. Yeah, that's. That's a really good comparison. It's a healthy competition as opposed to Mm -hmm. like American competition where we're just going to claw down whoever we have Mm -hmm. to to get to the top. Yeah. (laughs) At the risk of of, I don't want to like assume that all European countries share the same cultural values because that's obviously not true. But in, in this case, for me as an outsider the show at least as portrayed in the movie and then as like because let's say that we can like we mentioned in the hamilton episode we then went down our eurovision rabbit hole and started reading about it and watching youtubes about it and performances about it it's like a self-aware it seems like a self-aware competition like it seems like it's very self-aware of what it is and it's an honor to win but it's also not trying to like be this idea that American Idol is or the voice, right? Which is mm-hmm. also very individualistic. And I'm, I know that European culture is individualistic in a different way, right? But but the the difference between these two competitions and what seems to me is that like you're inherently in a lot of American shows, you're inherently winning for the person. Where right. here you're winning for mm-hmm. a country. And like and so right? mm-hmm. and so there's a completely different dynamic in of the spirit of the competition that's not about like, oh, we all want to be this person. Wouldn't it be awesome to be this person that just wins or this person deserves it? It was like, you know, this Moldova won. Mm-hmm. There's a motivation. <laughs> yeah, there's a motivation to represent your country. Yeah. yeah. David, were you going to say something? Oh, I just wanted to do a quick poll because I'm curious. There's not really a way for us to know unless we go into polling, but out of the five of us, how many of us knew about Eurovision before Will Ferrell was the ambassador to us? Two out of five. So 40%... Lauren and Marcos raised their hand. Full disclosure. Oh, that's true. You're listening. To be fair, more like I I knew what it was. I didn't realize how big it was. Like I didn't realize like how how big it was. I knew that ABBA had won it in the past. I had seen a lot of the acts before. I was like, oh, that looks familiar. Hmm. But like, I didn't realize it was part of this like epic, you know, like. Yeah. 
I'd be curious if 40% of Americans knew about Eurovision. Oh, that, mm, yeah, that I would high. be surprised if that many people knew about it. <laughs> Maybe now but, they do. Marcos, you're talking about how big it is. I just looked this up. 2019 viewers, 182 million people watched yeah. Eurovision 2019. Yep. Wow. That's awesome. I, I think I read that it's like other than sports on television, it's the most viewed television annually. Hmm. So it's a huge thing. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's fascinating. In another late night interview, Will Ferrell had referenced, and actually Marcos, Lauren, David, and I watched the film together uh, the first time, right? The first time yeah. that we yeah. saw it. Will Ferrell referenced the hamster wheel that is in one of their <laughs> yeah. performances. There's a lot of and cameos, yeah. <laughs> that's a real thing. Yeah. So like mm -hmm. the four that's of awesome. us watched the uh, i think it was on youtube like we watched the original hamster wheel of a guy just running not singing not like just looking straight ahead and running in a hamster wheel it was very bizarre <laughs> i think right now on youtube and i can check eurovision their official youtube page has a year's full finals which it's like 3 or 4 hours long so if you've never seen eurovision before and you want to watch the actual song contest, not the movie with Will Ferrell. You can watch Eurovision 20-something, 2014, 2015. Here's the mm. part that's really, really interesting to me about Eurovision and watching like different countries perform. Is it, it not, not in every performance, but there's almost an element of, because it, you're representing a country, right? Mm -hmm. There's an element of that country, mm -hmm. or whether it's a culture or it's a political country, right? Because cultures can, can span across political borders mm -hmm. but but there's an element like i'm looking at like the images and the costumes and the things that mm -hmm. that to me speak one thing but like if i was from that particular country i'm thinking about the churning butter one like oh. i forget what country was that um uh, it was a european one yeah. germany <laughs> i see what you did there <laughs> germany um, I don't remember, and not to stereotype a whole country just by one song, right? But but I'm just saying that, like, even by looking at each performance, you have glimpses of perhaps what some of the values may be for at least a group of person, a group of people, or some of the values may be for a particular area, which I think is fascinating. Like, I think it's yeah. awesome, and it's unashamedly so. Where they're wearing costumes, like they're wearing costumes that seem like, why would you ever wear that? But like, I would think that because I'm not from there, right? Mm -hmm. Which someone from there would be like, yo, this is awesome. Like, look at the, you know, the representation that they're 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 giving to the world of my country. So, anyways, I thought it's just really cool to see how each performance, in a way, sometimes serves as a vignette of culture, certain cultural values. Yeah. So to that point, there is a, a certain culture that is represented in a particularly negative light. Yeah. And that is when there is any reference to Americans. <laughs> so I would love in the to, film, not the actual in, song. Contest. Thank you. In the film. Yeah. I should in film. clarify in Eurovision. I was trying to remember the full title. No, I really couldn't. <laughs> uh, the story of Fire Saga. So I would love to chew on that for a minute, especially, I mean, not to put you on the spot, Sarah, but you are the one uh, out of the five of us who has lived in Europe and mm -hmm. maybe has a, a better 
perspective on this, but Americans in in this film are portrayed in such a terrible way. Mm -hmm. I would love for you first to speak to the um, pumpkin spice latte references, the (laughs) nobody wants you here references, the I think there might be some comments made about the backpacks that uh, Mm -hmm. they're wearing. Can you share a little bit about your perspective? I was actually just having a conversation with uh, one of my friends who's lived in Spain just yesterday, I think. And we were talking about American. First of all, what you see in this movie is American fashion. So I think he makes a comment about it is like their logos, their logo sweatshirts. And like, yep, they're like, it says like Cornell or something like, you know, just all the colleges, yeah, like the, the baseball collegiate, collegiate fashion, yeah, like all of these things that just like really just say like American, the Starbucks comment, like, Oh man, that was hilarious to me. Um, And I would say like people drink Starbucks in other countries, but I will say in France, when you go to uh, Versailles, Mm -hmm. there's a Starbucks right as soon as you get off the train. It's, I mean, there's Starbucks in a lot of areas in France, but they are a little bit harder to find. And like in general, why would you, I don't know, why would you go to Starbucks really in France? You can sit at a cafe Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of different types of coffee, but really when you get right as soon as you get off the train in Versailles, there's the big Starbucks. It's like right Hmm. there. And really everyone in there is, I mean, it's for tourists. And so, yeah, that's, yeah, that was really obvious. And I would say in general, the majority of the attitudes that I saw, like people are nice to tourists and let's say those tourists are Americans, but I would say Americans, definitely we have a, we carry a presence, if you will. So like if we're on a train, if we're in a train stop, if we're like anywhere we are, we, we are loud. We are obviously there. We are saying, you know, like we're just, we are there very obviously. And so I we're think, kind of obnoxious. Yeah. yeah. And so like, I think when you're like, we don't want you here really is maybe to that, ex- that extreme of like, you take up a lot of space when you are, <laughs> when you are here. So can you go away? Like that just makes a lot of sense to me. Cause I remember feeling honestly the exact same way when I lived in Europe for sure. When I when I saw Americans, it was just like, Oh my gosh, you're so loud. There's so many of you. Yeah. It's just, that's the only way I can usually like that I can describe it is like, we just take up a lot of space. Yeah. Yeah. Anyone else have, have comments on that? I have an episode idea based off of Sarah's comments. We can do an episode on how to be a culturally aware traveler. Oh, I love that. A how-to episode. Oh, that's great. Mm. Especially as the world starts to open up mm. again, it can be a... Knock on wood, right? Well, mm-hmm. yeah, that's true. Don't hold <laughs> your I breath, anybody. It's great. Yeah, no. I remember I traveled, and I, th- I think I told David this story. I traveled to um, Taiwan one time for work. And when I was in Taiwan, there was a group of us and... Um, most of the people I was in the group were white Americans and a lot of Americans I feel, and it's not a bad thing, but I, I highly encourage travel because it's really easy such as an American and in other countries too, right? That it's so large, it's really easy to not have to or not be able to travel, right? And so so it's really culture shock can, can present as, as itself in many different ways. And some of the people that I was in the group with they had never been in a place where they were minority, right? Like they were, they Mm -hmm. were the minority or a place where they automatically assumed that no one could understand what they said. Mm -hmm. And it was funny because the way that they internalized it, and obviously there was immature, there's certain immaturity um, involved, but the way that they process internalized that was, 
one of them just we were in a in Ximending Square in Taipei, Taiwan, and some of one of them started just yelling the word penis and finding it funny that it was like, whoa, I can yell this and no one understands what I'm saying, which A is a stereotype and that's not true, right? <laughs> like, yeah. like that's not true. Um of but, all words too, that might be one that some people aren't like totally unaware of. And and Taiwan, I feel like I'm pretty sure I would have to fact just check this, but they are trying to establish English as their second language. Like Oh really? For, I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. yeah. And I and I when I was I've been there twice and both both the times that I've been there, I've met people that speak English and I've met people that don't, right? Like you know, and and I but definitely yeah, have a that, lot of I definitely experienced my share of culture shock there in different ways. But but it was this sense of like I don't think a lot of Americans have ever experienced that they have to have shared space, mm-hmm. right? Or what shared space looks looks like. So there's kind of this value of like I don't give a crap because mm-hmm. I've never had to share, and it's not necessarily like nefarious. It's just like you don't tell me what to do. I've never had to share. I've never had to live this way, and so. I think that's what makes a lot of white Americans, and not everyone's this way, obviously. Not all Americans are that way. Sure. But makes them a presence in other countries. <laughs> Large presence. Figuratively and physically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> that is another way that you can usually tell an American. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's funny because um, have you ever seen the movie uh, In Bruges with Colin Farrell? No. Really, really good movie. Amazing movie. But it's funny. There's an American tourist scene, and they're all, like, morbidly obese. Again, that's a stereotype. Mm -hmm. No one here is (laughs) morbidly obese in this this group, right? (laughs) But there's this, like, stereotype, too, that other people are carrying, right? And so, so I also recognize, right, that just because it's a stereotype doesn't necessarily mean it's true. And then I want (laughs) to... I want to make a comment about that. Well, not about that movie, but I want to make a comment about stereotypes because when I watched Eurovision earlier today to get ready for our recording, the thought that came across my mind, I knew we were going to talk about the American stereotype that's portrayed, but I was thinking, in fact, the whole movie is away stereotypes. Mm -hmm. And not that I can't watch it and laugh and have a good time, but it did kind of make me look at it through a slightly different lens of... I mean, we can see, like in real life, it it is like a cultural expression. It's these countries, it's, you know, them representing themselves. But the movie, especially like, because I, I did look this up, Will, Will Ferrell is one of the writers. And again, I think he had it, the right motivations and he likes Eurovision Song Contest. But like he w- is the first credited writer. So he's writing his perception of American stereotypes as perceived by Europeans, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah. then... He's playing an Icelandic, yes, is that that? Icelandic. Mm-hmm. Icelandic mm-hmm. male. Dan Stevens, who's British, is playing a Russian guy. <laughs> and they're all just like updoing stereotypes, yeah. right? Like exaggerated accents, like exaggerated mannerisms or whatever would be a stereotype of that thing. So I just like I noticed that this time around. Mm. I, I don't know what you guys, if you guys have a reaction or a response to that. But I just thought like, oh, OK, so this is funny. But I am laughing at stereotypes, right? Yeah. I noticed the first time I watched it in terms of the Russian stereotype, like that just Mm -hmm. everything, well, everything is just over the top. And to be honest, I actually didn't know that it was the guy from Downton Abbey. And (laughs) I really didn't. Like, I didn't even pay attention to who it was or his name. And at the end of the movie, I was like, what? I was blown away. That's awesome. I had no idea. I'm 
your lion lover. <laughs> <laughs> totally different character. I'd be interested to hear, like, in some ways, like, the, I felt like the Russian stereotype was the butt of the joke at the end of the day. Like, mm. um, because there's, I think, a lot of the Icelandic characters were actually Icelandic. <laughs> so so the, there's a willingness participation. I don't know. I mean, Dan Stevens being British, right? Like, yeah. like he is definitely portraying a, a, a stereotype. So I'd be interested to see, hear it from like a Russian perspective of what that is. I did feel like, yes, there's stereotypes too, but there's also like, I felt like there was a buy-in from everyone, a celebration from everyone. And there was like a buy-in. Mm. And so that's why I didn't find it offensive and I think everyone was playful about it, right? Like, if we're just, you know, we're all doing stereotypes. Like, I, like we did our, our Generations episode and we laughed about millennial stereotypes. Yeah. And we're not all those things, but you can kind mm-hmm. of be playful about it. So sure. I think, I think yeah, definitely it was in the right. Like, everyone right. was made fun of. Well, I think that Eurovision is, self, that's what Eurovision self-aware about. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, well, we know that we don't walk around wearing these kilts all the time. But, like, for right. Eurovision, we do. <laughs> like, like right, there right, was right. some of that, like, yeah. um, you know, we don't, our, our musical artists don't run on hamster mm-hmm. wheels. But for Eurovision, we do. this is appropriate. <laughs> but for the so like, dub, do, I mean, we're going to do what we're going to do. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's what, and plus, I mean, there's clear, I loved the tip of the hat to like all the winners and there was this song in the middle spoiler alert there's a song in the middle that that incorporated a lot of the eurovision yes, winners the mashup mm. oh um, my which was goodness. amazing and there, there's some talent there and then I, mm. we went back and looked back at some of those performers and how they won yeah um, uh that is there's an israeli performer that she's kind of a rapper pop artist i thought she killed it like there's the um she sings the Black Eyed Peas in the mashup, just heads up. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we looked them all, like, where they were yeah, from and yeah. different. And there was, like, awesome dive. talent. Like, I was like, mm-hmm. whoa, this is really cool. So, like, so I think that, again, there's a self-awareness and, like, a permission that at least it felt like it was there. I don't know if it truly was, but it definitely, I think there was representation, right? So Yep. Question, have any one of the uh, Eurovision artists gone on to have real singing careers like are not real but like more yeah. commercial success well abba well besides abba um <laughs> i mean so, like the more current ones like the ones that were featured in the movie have yeah. they have been yeah. launched because of eurovision like abba too some of them have a lot of views on their youtube songs i know that because I, I, I was that clicking israeli around. artist has a big it's big is in israel i think she's really i looked at her instagram and look at she what she's doing very popular yeah, yeah. I mean, I followed on her Facebook, uh, not Facebook, on her YouTube. And there's some really awesome videos that have a lot of followers that seems like she's actually kind of a big deal. She's known in Israel. I think her biggest single on here, I'm looking at it right now, 110 million views. Ooh, that's, yeah, that's, that's pretty, pretty good. big. So I was going to say, David, I think after we watched the film the first time, you had said that Celine Dion was a singer in Eurovision at one point. But... Can you explain what you learned? She's French Canadian, right? Uh, yes, I believe. But she's she sang from for Quebec. a European country, so you can have people sing. I I read, yeah, Celine Dion sang. I don't know who she sang for, but she won. 
Yeah. And that was kind of like her discovery. Like you can win for the writing of your song or do you win for the performing hmm. of your song or yeah, you can pick a, a non-native to perform? I, I don't know. I'm going to write Celine Dion. Uh, yeah, she was performed for Switzerland. The Eurovision yeah. Song Contest 1988. You can watch the YouTube video. We should put it on our show notes. Right. So, so that's so what David learned. They can hire it's not different always, people. And it's not always that the performers are the songwriters. Sometimes right. the songwriters pick different performers and they're not always yeah. from the country that they're representing. But so. I think so, Celine Dion actually performed, oh. though. Like, I think Celine Dion performed. But it's At the least song there's a video of her wins. performing the song. I'm yeah, assuming. Yeah, no, she, she performed it, but she didn't necessarily write the song. And she's not. She's uh, not from Switzerland. I see, I see. I see. I see. So to Lauren's point, we could argue that Celine Dion became very successful <laughs> after her performance on Eurovision. Nineteen eighty-eight. Yeah. So it's a big deal. So it really is about the song. Yeah. Then it's like it's not necessarily the people, and that's I think again that to that cultural difference of America versus this is. Any of our song right. contests are the people and those people become famous and they have Twitter accounts and Instagram accounts. And yep. this is more like, yeah. what is the country song? Which, if I am correct in saying this, I believe all the songs are in English, which, I mean, we don't really have time oh, to get into at this yeah. point, but that's an interesting dynamic that I find fascinating. Mm. But in the competition, they're not all in English because we oh, saw some. Not. No, 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 they're not. Oh, they're not okay. all in English. No, no, no. But a lot of them are, in the though, movie, right? They were, a lot of them. Yeah, in the movie, but in the movie yeah, they, in the were. Movie they were. Right? In the but, movie, yeah. didn't they need okay. to be or something? Yeah, right. And they were disqualified because they changed their song last minute mm -hmm. and yeah, True. all that. Okay. And part no, of the spoiler. Iceland connection is that in real life, mm -hmm. Iceland has never won Eurovision. I oh. did not know that. The Eurovision Song Contest. Guys, well, it was awesome. That, I love. On I that note, it. folks. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> no, but this this hope. Yes, that's right. It's the oh, year of Iceland. Let's name it. Island, Eurovision twenty twenty was canceled because of coronavirus <laughs> pandemic. It's the first time in almost 50, 50 years that they haven't had a live Eurovision wow. song contest. Man, COVID, you stink! Wow, you heard it here first. So, just something for the show notes. Also, make sure everyone to follow us on Instagram. We have a new Instagram account. It's cross-culture-ish. That's it. All one word, right? Yep. yep. All one word. We should totally put something. Israel Toy mm -hmm. was that Israel won two years ago. The song was Toy. It was by Netta. And that is the artist that I think is awesome. I think she's great. Last year, the Netherlands won with the song Arcade. And so those are the last two winners. So maybe we should put like the last two winners and let us know. Let us know if you watched Eurovision, if you knew about it. What's your favorite Eurovision song? All the 2020 songs are on iTunes and I think they're on YouTube. So if you want to pretend that it happened live, you can watch the YouTube videos from 2020 and decide who you think the winner is. So to our, to our faithful listeners, any amount of time that you spend either watching Eurovision Song Contest the story of Fire Saga, the film, or YouTube clips of the actual Eurovision singing contest, I can give you a 100% guarantee that you will not regret it. And I can give you a 100% guarantee that if you comment on it, Aaliyah will comment back. 
with loads of emojis. If there are tons of emojis, it would be me writing back to you. Guys, thank you for sharing in my love of Will Ferrell mixed with singing, mixed with culture, mixed with knitwear, mixed with all of these things that I love wrapped into one film. You have made my day just by sharing in this conversation, sharing in this excitement. Do yourselves a favor. Watch it again. <laughs> it's, it's so, so good. good. It's so good. Um, with that, Marcos already said this, but you can find us uh, on our website, which is crossculturish.com. You can find show notes. Feel free to comment and engage with us on our socials. And we'll look forward to being with you next time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Ding dong. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ding dong. Ding dong. Bye, Bye, friends. Great job, Aaliyah. Thank you so much. That was awesome. (laughs) 